Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you seen any superhero movies lately? Ant-Man 3 just came out. Black Panther 2 was last November. Thor 4, I think, last summer. I don't even know what number we're on for Spider-Man. I don't think I've seen any of them since uh, the Avengers Endgame, which was a while ago. Clearly not the end. Uh, superhero movies have been popular for a, a long time, but lately it seems like they've uh, started to falter at the box office, with a few of them being outright flops. People have been complaining that each one tries to be bigger than the last one, but really they kind of all end up being the same. There are a lot of reasons for that, but it isn't that the battle between good and evil has gotten old. That's a story that never runs out. You can find it everywhere. You might even say that it's the story. Without it, you don't have a story at all, whether you're talking fiction or real life. They call that a meta-narrative, uh, an overarching story or grand idea that gives everything meaning and context. Of course, there are many ideas out there about what this all means, where it comes from. But as Christians, we have a, a great answer for that. The battle between good and evil began with the fall into sin. It has raged on ever since. It has claimed the souls of many. But in the battle of good and evil, Jesus overcomes. Now, we can see this right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry uh, in an event that we call the temptation of Jesus. It's not that the devil tempted him only this one time, but here we see a, a kind of a, a great showdown between Jesus and Satan. This is the battle between good and evil in its purest form, and it makes for a dramatic story. In some ways, it might seem a little bit strange. Jesus began his public ministry with his baptism, and from there he would go out to gather his disciples, and he would start teaching and healing people. There was a lot to do. You, you might think that he'd be eager to get to it. People were hurting. They were lost. They were despairing. They were dying. Time to get out there and, and save them. But first, Jesus went out into the desert wilderness. He was led there by the Spirit. That's a, an amazing thing to think about. Jesus, who himself is true God, humbles himself as true man. He's led out to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, almost like somebody might lead an animal on a leash. Does he know why he's there? Does he know what's coming? What a mystery this is. The all-powerful, all-knowing Lord. But here he is, small, and weak and frail? Is that the way that you go into battle? And then before these three great temptations that are coming, he spends 40 days and 40 nights fasting. He becomes even weaker. Why would he do all of this? He's like a, like a swordsman with his right hand tied behind his back. Or like a superhero who's lost everything that makes him super. It was in this greatly weakened state that the devil, the tempter, came to him and said, If 
you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. I suppose the the fact that it's the devil who is saying it automatically makes this suspicious, but really, what's the temptation here? Would it really be so bad for Jesus to turn a stone into bread? Later, he would turn water to wine. Wasn't he the the son of God? He, He made those stones in the first place. Hadn't he fasted long enough? He should eat. He needed to eat. He deserved to eat. He could prove who he was, and he could satisfy his stomach all at the same time. Ha, but how crafty those serpents' temptations are. Jesus, however, was not fooled by this. He answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This temptation has really two uh, great Old Testament parallels. It calls to mind the, the children of Israel who spent 40 years wandering in the desert wilderness. They, they had plenty of bread. Miraculous bread, manna, that God gave them every day. And yet, still they, they grumbled. Grumbled against Moses. They grumbled against God. We are disgusted by this worthless food. And so God sent venomous snakes among the people who bit them, and they died. Jesus spent 40 days with no food, but he didn't grumble. He trusted his heavenly Father and was not harmed by the devil's venom. It also calls to mind the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had every kind of food they could imagine in the perfect paradise that God had given them. But the devil hissed in their ear, don't you want more? Do you think God really loves you? Then why did he tell you not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Ever since Adam and Eve, Satan had been winning in the battle between good and evil. Truly, who are we to resist him? He is our our unseen enemy, our indefatigable nemesis. Isn't that a great word, indefatigable? (laughs) It's It's terrifyingly true. Satan never tires out. Indefatigable. He never stops. He's always trying to destroy us. He just keeps going round after round in the in the boxing ring. Um, Maybe in one round we seem to be pulling ahead, but then he just comes back, strong as ever. The temptation that we were so bold to resist yesterday is so appealing to us today. The, The good mood and charitable attitude that we had suddenly evaporates. Instead, we're we're left with the, the needs of the moment, like a, a hunger that can't be satisfied, and Satan wryly smiles and says, why go on fighting? Eat the fruit. Tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus stands up there on that dusty desert floor, and he responds with a, a right hook to Satan's jaw. It is written, he says. He goes to Scripture. 
Even Jesus, the, the very Son of God, doesn't rely on his, his own inner strength or, or on clever arguments to turn Satan back. He grabs hold of Scripture. And what a mighty blow this is. For the first time, Satan's temptation has failed. What more could he say? Instead, he went for a new temptation, a new approach. He took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem, and he placed him on the, the pinnacle of the temple. This could be either the, the highest point uh, overlooking the, the ravine that the temple was next to, or it could be the highest point of the building over the courtyard. Either one would have been a, was, was high enough that it was a, a fall that would be fatal. And, and here the, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan was saying, you think you can use scripture? I can use it too. You say you trust in God? Do you really? Prove it! If God makes this promise to all of Israel, how much more must it apply to his son? So if you really believe, he'll throw yourself down. And if you don't jump, well then you don't really trust him at all. So what's it going to be, Jesus? Will you jump? Or are you too afraid? Well, Jesus' response was not either one of those options that Satan presented. Instead, he, he hit him with another blow he didn't see coming. He went back again to Scripture, and he used it rightly, not to create doubt, but to see the will of God. Again, it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. For the third temptation, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. This must have been a, a supernatural event since there's only so much you can see from any one mountain. But here Satan offered, I will give you all, all of these things if you will bow down and worship me. This one seems a little strange to us. Who would fall for that? Could Satan even follow through on that promise? But what was Satan really saying here? He was saying, Jesus, this fight between us doesn't need to happen. This whole battle between good and evil is going to destroy us both. Let's end it. Let's have peace. You came to be a king. I can make you a king. I can make you the greatest king this world has ever seen. You want people to worship you? I can make them worship you. You just have to worship me. Do you really want to keep fighting? Do you really want a cross? Rather than thinking of this temptation as a, another attempt to trick Jesus, you might think of this as Satan at his most honest. You might picture Jesus and the devil with their hands around each other's throats. And Satan says, keep this up, and we're both going to die. And Jesus replies, I know. Go away, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God 
and serve him only. Even if it means suffering. Even if it means a cross. Even if it means death. The battle of good and evil is a, a battle that you and I are familiar with. We see it in our own lives every single day. Satan still whispers in our ears with his temptations. They're the same temptations he's used ever since the Garden of Eden, and we still fall for them over and over. And just as Adam and Eve's sin ended in death, we have the same outcome. We, too, will die. Only Jesus has overcome. He faced the devil in that desert wilderness, he bore the, the brunt of his craftiest tricks and his most vicious assaults, but Jesus did not falter. He stood firm, our mighty hero. He turned back evil, one attack after another, until Satan had nothing left until he had to go away. How could we ever be like Jesus? Jesus gives to us the same weapon against Satan's attacks. We hold the word of God like a, a glittering sword. That word still stops Satan in his tracks. It sends him reeling. When Satan comes against us, we too can say, Go away, Satan, for it is written. And with Jesus as our hero, the victory is sure, because Jesus did finish the fight. He did go to the cross. He did sacrifice himself. He did die to ensure Satan's destruction. And he rose again from death to take up a rule far greater than anything the devil could give him. He rules a kingdom of peace and righteousness for all his people, for us, where our sins are no more, where Satan cannot harm us. The battle of good and evil continues on in this life. Take up your sword, O Christian, and fight the good fight. You know whom you follow. In the battle of good and evil, Jesus overcomes. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.